Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. that he had an affair and that he had an affair with 
uh, Candy, the last person to actually see Betty, who was murdered, boy, did this open up Ooh, a brand new situation. Yes. Well, it opens up with them you know, interrogating Alan and asking him all kinds of questions, such as, did you kill your wife? So he pretty much has to defend himself, you know, from that accusation or that assumption. And, you know, we then have um, the cops who now are suspecting Candy um, of murdering Betty, and they really approach her accordingly. And they ask her for her flip-flops that she was wearing, the shoes that were on her feet. They ask and they check her car. And, you know, she goes and she seeks a friend who's an attorney. And, you know, he starts asking, how do you know Alan didn't kill Betty? Well, Candy confesses that she's the one who actually killed Betty. Man, oh man, oh man. Now, this really takes us down a new road as the attorney now tells her, you know, to not share any of this stuff with her husband, who they're looking to put up the bond, by the way. And this is now making a bigger mess of their marriage, Candy and Pat's marriage, and Pat has his suspicions of his own. Now, he sees like there's a cut and a bruise here and there, and all kinds of stuff, and he's asking her, where are those shoes you have? Where are those slippers you've been wearing? How come you don't have those slippers anymore? Not the ones you got, the ones that you used to wear. Yeah, he starts asking, and boy, this this, this episode here really, you know, I mean, it just, it just reeks of how people can lie. Now, this is supposed to be a devout church-going woman. And, you know, she sings on the choir and, you know, the, the, the church life really matters to her to the, you know, to the degree where um, when the attorney tells her, you know, listen, I need you to cut your hair, I need you to start dressing differently, I need you to start um, losing weight, you know, all these things that kind of throw off the fact that she could be the killer, he says to her, well, you know, I don't want you to sing in the choir anymore. She's like, oh, the choir, that's my salvation. Well, where was the salvation when you were killing Betty? Where was the salvation when you were literally planning to have this affair with someone's husband, an affair on your own husband? Where was the salvation then? I mean, this particular episode reach of what true friendship is and what it's not because she's got uh, a, a pastor friend who's all over her. All over her, all over the husband. You know, ask questions. Yo, what's going on? Opposed to the other friend who's like, oh, you know, they really wouldn't think that it's you. You know, we really don't think it's you. 
Yeah, this, I mean, I can go on and on and on and on about this particular episode. But, you know, one of the things that's just so intriguing, again, about watching this love and death series uh, is the fact that this is real. And, you know, I always say you can't make this stuff up. You know, I, I don't know why reality TV feels like they need to threat, you know, it. Because if you just let the cameras roll on people's lives, and we're talking about hurtful, you know, what in the world are people doing who are supposed to have their lives hidden in glass? You know, there was an, a, a scene where the lawyer calls the, um, the pastor, and he pretty much tells him what to do with his church, with God's church. And... You know, because he's not as forceful as he needs to be, there's some things he doesn't say and certain ways he doesn't respond. But, you know, thank God for the true Jesus that that reigns and, you know, the true spirit of the Lord that, you know, exists and how we can really suppress the spirit of the Lord from doing um you know, his work. We really got to be on the board to do God's work. We cannot allow our lives to be, you know, informed and fashioned by the way the world does things. So this is really, you know, uh, 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 I mean, this is just amazing to watch because we, we really see how we can go down a rabbit hole if we don't guard ourselves, you know, all, the spirit of the Lord will only do what you do, pretty much, because it's a gift. It is, we're not robotic. So if you quench the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord will be quenched. God is not going to force you or force it on you. It's a gift. And you can either use it or you can Put it to the side and just let it exist. But we want to make sure that we allow God to reign in our lives, especially if we say that God is, you know, the head of our life. And, you know, you can really see in this series how you can just go to church. You can just simply go to church. You don't have to have a relationship with the Lord. So this is why, you know, going to church is only a, you know, just a portion of what your life should be like. Because we see that you can go sit up in church every week, two, three times a week, sing on the choir, go to Bible study, go to your regular weekly service, and none of this stuff means a thing. None of it. So, you know... If you haven't had an opportunity to watch it, I, I really encourage you to watch it, you know, and just allow it to send a message to you as to how we need to keep our guard up, how we can plan to sin, how we can allow, you know, ourselves to become uh, really twisted and convoluted when we think we're in control. So, just join us next week, God says, 
for the next episode six, and that is the first before the final episode. So I am truly, truly eager to see what is going to happen next week. So join us for our next segment of my season. Okay. All righty. Well, today is Wow Wednesday, and you know what we do over here on the Zoo Time with Pastor Steph. And God is good to us. God is good to us. He does not fail us. He has brought us safely. You know, through the first part of the week, and now here we are in the middle. And uh, he's given us Wow Wednesday to help us to get through this particular day and into the second part of the day. And you know what we do today? We hear from the ladies. So we're down a couple of ladies today. But you know what? There's always a ram in the bush. And I don't worry because whoever is at the party, is supposed to be at the party. And we pray for healing um, of our missing ladies. We pray for the strength of our missing ladies. And, um, you know, we pray that, you know, we all just step up to the plate and do the will of the Lord. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to go get that healthy breakfast. I'm going to give you an opportunity to go and tell somebody that it's the power Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Sarcoma is a rare cancer that can grow in bone or soft tissues. It can affect anyone at any age. A child waking up that night with knee pain and swelling. A father who finds a lump in his thigh. A grandmother with unexpected bone pain. Do not ignore it, even if it does not hurt. Sarcomas are usually the size of a golf ball or larger. If you have a new or growing lump, get it checked out by your doctor. A team of sarcoma specialists can ensure the right treatment plan. To help patients recover from surgery and regain function. Many sarcomas can be cured, and early diagnosis may improve survival. Researchers are working to discover a cure. We, 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 we are here for you. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday. We're giving God thanks for bringing us safely through another day. And uh, 
know where other people are trying to figure out how they're getting over the hump day. We have Wild Wednesday on our side. So uh, we're going to give God thanks for our girl Vivian, who is uh, our Wednesday morning correspondent. And she will give us our socially conscious segment. Good morning, Viv. Good morning. Happy Wild Wednesday. How are you, Pastor? I am well, thank you, Vivian. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good, good. What you got for us today? Okay. Today on Socially Conscious, we are starting out in Rikers Island. Now, they have been in the news, Rikers Island. They have been in the news off and on for a while now talking about how bad the conditions are over there, unexplained inmate deaths and violence. And today, it is reported that, unfortunately, it is not getting any better. According to reports, a court-appointed monitor is urging a judge to begin contempt proceedings against New York City over conditions in Rockers Island, which would set the stage for a potential federal takeover. The monitor reported that the city had failed to comply with a series of court ordered um, court orders that aim to curb violence and mismanagement inside Rikers Island. They're saying that the city has not been very cooperative with the monitor. Apparently there have there has been an action plan put in place for Rikers, but according to the monitor there has been a quote disturbing level of regression, end quote. We know that Mayor Eric Adams has been really opposed to the federal takeover. He has been bragging on this apparent success from his efforts to improve the conditions on Rikers Islands. He has pointed to a reduction in slashing and staff absenteeism since he took office and appointed Department of Correction Louis Molina in January of 2022. But the monitor has detailed numerous violent incidents that jail officials allegedly neglected to report, including the death of a detainee who was originally said to have suffered a heart attack, but was later discovered to have died from a skull fracture, and another man who was who attempted to flee from a correction officer was tackled and thus paralyzed from the neck down. An injury, the monitor said, also was not properly reported. The reports are saying that 19 people died on Rikers Island last year, and the current number of inmate deaths known so far this year is four. There's currently talks on the federal side to take over, um, and this could be happening. The judge's decision could be coming as soon as next month. So hopefully it will happen. They've been going back and forth about this for a while now, and as we just heard, it is not getting any better. And then the powers that be are not even cooperating with court orders to, you know, do things a certain way and to fix things up. So obviously this is something that needs to be done. So hopefully it will get done and it will bring some improvement to Rikers Island because no one deserves this type of treatment. Next, we are 
at Bank of America. So if you are in, if you are a Bank of America customer or you used to be, you might want to listen up. So Bank of America was ordered to pay more than $100 million to customers for double charging accounts with insufficient funds fees, denying reward payments to credit card holders, and using personal data to open accounts without client knowledge. They're saying this bank harmed hundreds of thousands of customers over a period of several years and across multiple products. Now, in addition to the customer payment, the bank must pay $150 million in penalties. And they've been in trouble for a while. I know I've spoken of Bank of America a couple of times on Socially Conscious, but apparently back in 2014, Bank of America was ordered to pay $727 million to redress to its victims for illegal credit card practices. It was just last year that they paid $235 million for illegal garnishment and failed disbursement of state unemployment benefits during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, I wonder how much money they're making off these illegal practices if they have to pay these big bank penalties, $727 million, $235 million, and this is not stopping them. But if you are a Bank of America customer or you used to be, you may have a few dollars coming your way. Next, we are in the news with the kiddos and the parents. New York City wants to remind families that free meals are available, and this year they have started a new way to find locations that are offering free meals. All you have to do to get a free meal is send a text. The No Kid Hungry National Free Meals Finder texting hotline is now live and active. Its purpose is to connect families to a site providing meals no cost to them. So to grab a free meal or to find out where there is a facility that is offering free meals, all you have to do is text NYC Food to 304. That's NYC Food. You text that to 304, and they will send you your nearest location that is offering free meals for, your, for all kiddos under the age of 18. So parents are always complaining about how much food kids eat while on summer vacation, and now they can get some help with that. Just text NYC Food to find out where it's a location that is offering free meals for your children. So speaking of kids, they say the Biden administration is trying to help New York City parents with the current crisis of unaffordable child care in New York City. Reports say the child care in New York City is struggling as child care workers do not make a livable wage, and they found that one out of 12 child care workers quit the industry during the pandemic and have not returned. They say that New York City parents who can't afford child care often have to make the decision to leave work and or school in order to care for their small children and thus, they end up with even fewer resources than before and fewer routes out of their predicament. 
So it's a lose-lose situation. If you work, you're struggling to make ends meet. And if you don't work in order to take care of your child, you're struggling to make ends meet. So the Biden administration announced its newest attempt to help families in need with proposals that aim to cap eligible families with child care. They want to give them a cap of co-payment at 7% of their income and eliminate co-payments altogether for particularly poor families. They're also trying to get money to child care businesses by forcing the state to pay child care businesses in the beginning of the month for children enrolled in their facility rather than the middle of the month, which is currently what they do. So, again, if you are eligible, they're trying to work things out for you. They also want to make it easier for families to receive grants for child care. Um, they've been saying that the websites that you go to have been, you know, wonky and difficult to use, so they're trying to fix that situation as well and get the money to the eligible families sooner rather than later. So this is probably, you know, the presidential election time promises that they really don't plan to uphold, but just want you to vote for them. But hopefully, hopefully and prayerfully, these families will get the help that they need. I came across this quick story of an eight-year-old who led police on a car chase. Reports say police and fire medics were called to the scene of a stolen car on Tuesday at around 11 a.m. They say they spotted the stolen vehicle and attempted to make a traffic stop, but the eight-year-old refused to stop the car. They're saying during the chase, there was a two-vehicle collision in the area of West Fairview Avenue and South Court Street. The crash did not cause any injuries, thankfully. The child was then arrested, and police said a weapon was recovered. <laughs> Charges are pending, according to the um, to the news. The boy's identity has not been released due to his age, and this story is definitely up there with the six-year-old who shot his teacher. Eight-year-old stealing cars, leaving the police on a on a car chase and then having a weapon in the car once they stop him. That is this this is just crazy. But now we have our wild wow story of the week. Again, usually I like to keep these lighthearted and funny, but this one is not that. So brace yourselves. So the, I don't even know how to start honestly, but the story is that a mother of a six year old boy found out that her son was sexually assaulted on a school bus and that it had been happening for months before the school found out. Mom, whose name has not been released due to the sensitivity of the incident, says that her son came home without a backpack. And when she asked her son about it, he said it was on the bus. She called the school the next morning and asked the school to see if they could find the backpack. She said she was told very nonchalantly that another student had thrown her son's backpack out of the bus window. She asked the school to review the security cameras on the bus to find out who the other student was so that the school can get her and the other student's family together for a conference to discuss how to solve this matter. Mom says she received a call five hours later from the school 
telling her to come and pick up her son and that police wanted to speak to her. She says she rushed to the school thinking her son was in trouble, only to find out that her son had been sexually assaulted on the bus. And again, it had been happening for months and no one knew. Allegedly, an 11-year-old boy lured her son to the back of the bus and raped him. Reports say the videos went back as far as three months. Mom says she asked about the driver as well as the other students on the bus and why no one was aware of what was going on and or why no one did anything or said anything, but she has got no answers. So she wants the bus driver arrested. She says if it was her son, he I mean, if it was her son who had been raped in her home, she would have been arrested for child endangerment. She says that the bus driver neglected her child and did not do her job with keeping the child safe while on the bus. So I did say brace yourselves. <laughs> and this is a very sad story. I hate to leave it there. So, I mean, to look at it on a positive side, we're thankful that, you know, it it's, it's over. We're thankful that, you know, something that, so small as he lost his backpack by that happening they were able to find this out so the 11 year old has been arrested and is being charged with um, sexual assault and the six-year-old is currently receiving counseling for what has happened to him this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious giving you the news that we are following and remember if you have any wow stories you would like to submit please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM and come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you as always to our loyal listeners and thank you, Pastor Steps. Woo! Thank you, Vivian. Ah, you came smoking today. We got quite a bit of news to discuss. Well, as always, I was typing as quickly as I could, so we ask that you please stick around just in case we need some clarification regarding okay. any of these stories. Thank you so much, and if not, we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Let's get to chatting with the ladies. I mean... And look, you know, I thought we were going to have time for a, a topic, but I don't know because this stuff is quite. This stuff is something else. Good morning, Elder Natisha. Good morning. Good morning to you and my sisters and all of our listeners. How are you today, Pastor Steph? I am well. Thank you. I am well. Thank you. How are you? I am great. Thank you. Good, good, good. Well, we're starting off with this Rikers Island situation. We covered quite a few stories last year in regards Mm -hmm. to the consistent deaths and and conditions that, you know, go on over there. And, you know, we're in, what, July, and we're up to number four. Um, death. They have been threatening for a while to take over. You know, the feds have been threatening to take over, and we know that, you know, Adams begged, 
and and pleaded that they gave you know just give him some time to put this together and get you know he assigned a new commissioner and all you know all sorts of stuff. Now this is the first time I'm hearing about some monitors that have been placed over on the island and. They have not been adhering to what they need to, and the cameras have been telling, a, you know, the true story. Now, they're saying that Adams is claiming that some uh, conditions have improved, blah, 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 but the monitors are saying something different, and, you know, now they're like, you know what, we've given enough time you know, you know, you listen, you're a New Yorker. And you know, how many years have we been here? I mean, decades, Elder and I teach how we've been here, but they were going to shut life us down. So I'm surprised uh-huh. at, 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 at where we are now. Well, what, what, what's going on when you hear this story for Elder and I teach Yeah, to your point, we have been hearing this for decades. I remember in the 80s. Um, uh, Rikers was called the death trap. Like if you got caught yep. in Rikers, then you were in the death trap. So this has been yep. a long time of inmates being dealt with unjustly within the justice right. system. And isn't isn't that ironic mm-hmm. that yes. <laughs> the, you, people yes. are being uh, treated unjustly in the justice system? I do think um, you know. <laughs> That maybe we have a chance if, if you know, if it's overtaken by the federales. You know, as we used to call them back in the day, the federales. <laughs> if, if it's overtaken <laughs> by the federales. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, I mean, I think the reason why those, you know, none of the uh, correction officers really took the monitor seriously is because I think they feel like, you know, once an inmate is in the system, then they are lost, like this underground system that no one is really monitoring. Um, And so Mm. you've had, um, over the course of time, so many lives that have been lost. And even with people who are supposed to be awaiting trial, sitting in Rikers Island and getting killed, before they even get to trial, like, this is yeah. not new. This yeah. is not new, yeah. unfortunately. And I, and I wonder, what, what, what difference could the federal government make, right? Like, will it be any different? Will it be, will it be subjected to, you know, less investment? Like, I wonder what, what difference will the federal government take, you know, uh, make in taking it over? So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, this is a huge, huge undertaking to turn this whole mm-hmm. thing around. Ain't going to be no easy job at all, at all, at all, regardless of who takes it over. Oh, let's hear from our Pastor Charlotte. Pastor Charlotte is jumping the line this morning, y'all, because we are missing our Lady Tamika and our um, Minister Michelle today and we are praying that all is well with them and that uh, Minister Michelle will continue to heal. Boy, I saw some pictures of of Minister Michelle's um, ailment and whoa, y'all keep her in prayer. Y'all keep her in prayer. I was like, whoa, 
Yeah, she had a, a bad burn some time ago, and boy, is it giving her some kind of fit. So please keep her lifted in prayer. So thank God for uh, Pastor Charlotte and Shantice being available today to partner up with our elder Natisha. So good morning, good morning, good morning, Pastor Charlotte. Good morning. How are you all this morning? Amen. We're fine. Thank you. Another a native New Yorker. You know, you just a step above us in the age. So I know you've heard a couple of extra things that we have not heard about our infamous Rikers Island. And uh, what you got to say about this whole federal or, or as <laughs> Elgin I Jesus said, the Federales taking over the uh, – this this system here. Well, absolutely. We have been hearing forever that they were going to close it. Um, and it's always what's so crazy is that, you know, they don't treat the people as they're human. And mm-hmm. I every time when mm-hmm. this goes there, I I know a few folks that have went through there and um they always say how First, how crowded it is, right? We know that and how they're on top of each other. But even when you ask for a question, they don't want to answer you. So mm-hmm. I always said that, you know, if the feds do come in, let them, they probably can do much better than what, what's going on, you know, and maybe that the people be able to stop dying and people be able to, you know, there's so much stuff that we don't hear. This is the things that we hear on the news that is going on. And just imagine what is not talked about, you know. And and it's so scary because, you know, they figured that, one, you know, you did a crime, don't nobody care, you know, so why should we care? We're just here for a check, you know, and then maybe they'll get some people, you know, that have a heart. Let's say it that Mm -hmm. way, have a heart. And it's so sad. So I always been for let the feds come in because y'all haven't done a good job, and it's just getting worse by the day. You know, at at mm-hmm. this moment right here, what is going on right now? You know, we don't know. We don't know how people are getting raped in there. How you know, it's just so much that is going on. Absolutely. And then if you don't have a family member or someone, let me say it this way, someone on the outside that's trying to find out something about you then you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's hear what Shantice has to say about this these conditions. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good, good, good. You know, they've got some monitors over in this place, and the monitors are telling one story, and everybody else telling another story. You know, and and now they're saying as early as next month, a judge can make a decision to actually let this system be taken over by the government. Well, what's your thoughts? Well, something needs to change because, as for as long as I can remember, there's been talk about the crazy things that's going on on Rikers and what's not being done 
to rectify it, you know, the unexplained deaths and incidents that still to this day no one can explain how if people are supposed to be monitored and so on and so forth, these things are taking place. So they, they need to turn it over to somebody and hopefully that'll help to bring some either clarity as to what's going on or they'll be an automatic shift into how things are ran because whoever is the decision maker over there now isn't doing anything. So what what can happen? More people end up dying. You know, nothing nothing good is happening over there. As far as you know, okay, people get sent over there. You know, that's where they are until they're sentenced or however it works. But it's just too many things going on that's not supposed to be going on over there, and no one has an answer. So yeah, maybe with them turning it over, at least that part will shift. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> it's it's a very interesting dynamic because you know most times when you need to change something you need to gut it and start from scratch well here's the problem how do you possibly do that with the amount of inmates that already exist the amount of criminals who are walking their way over there <laughs> the the personnel is the personnel. If you don't rehabilitate some of that personnel, it ain't going to matter who takes over because you're still going to have those workers. If you don't change that personnel, if you don't rehabilitate that personnel, if, that, if, they, if they're not gutting, and, you know, they're going to have to, the federal government is going to have to go through and not only, you know, look at the conditions, of this place, but they're going to have to take a real microscope to the personnel over there. And if they've got write-ups and, and all kinds of complaints, they're going to have to consider, you know, really dealing with that issue as well. And a lot of times, you know, again, unless we gut the whole, you know, system, you know, it's almost like cleaning out a room. You know, a lot of times you just can't shift stuff around, you know, and move everything to one side you know, and then you do that, and then you're trying to move everything to the other side, then you, you're going to have to really, this, the approach, whether the feds take over or whatever, they're going to have to really, really design an approach that's going to make a difference. Because if not, it's not going to matter. And there's a whole lot of people over there. Not only that, you've now uh, invited how many thousands of new criminals so this is why this issue should have been worked on a long time ago because it only God only knows what's going to happen over there now with, with the increase because there's going to be some increase. There's going to be some increase of, of inmates. And if we don't get that done, that's going to be a mess. That's going to be a bigger mess. So I agree with everything you ladies, you ladies have said. And um, prayers, prayers, and more prayers. This Bank of America, oh, my goodness, how they are even still up and running is the question. They've got $100 million that they have to pay 
to the people, in addition to $150 million in penalties. Vivian just got finished saying that they, back in 2014, had to pay $727 million for credit card uh, activity that was illegal, and then they had to pay fees and fines on that. And something about some unemployment, illegal practices. It's like, what in the world is going on, Pastor Charlene? Wow, our money is not safe just as well as we not, huh? I I didn't get yeah. to hear that story. <laughs> you know, wow. And you, you know, you you always back in the day. Let's go back in the day, right? They ain't put no money in the bank, right? Everybody put money in their house somewhere, right? And it's mm-hmm. always seemed like yeah. every time when something happens within the bank, it makes you think of, I'm trying to get some increase when I put my money in. I'm trying to, you know, if I put my money in and, and my house get robbed, God forbid, that I'll still have some money. But the, they're just a fraud as well as if you just have your money in your hand and walking down the street, just giving it away. Yeah. You know, so... My my thing is with that, it, it just makes you think of where we are today, where we are today. All of this craziness with things that you thought that you could trust and being able to have that someone just rob you with your eyes wide open. And then it mm-hmm. takes forever for them to replace your money. But mm-hmm. it ain't your fault. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, Ooh, are, are you, just, you know, because who's giving, are you screening? And and that's one of the things that is, I'm seeing that's not happening anymore. Back in the day, I worked for the bank, oh, teenager, you know, like when you first get out of school, right after, a manufacturer. Now, you know how far that go back, right? Wow, wow. <laughs> that's how far wow. you go back. You know, so <laughs> I don't even know what year that was, but that's how far back that was. And I worked for them, you know, and then, you know, it was a lot of screening, you know, that you had to go through. Like, you was just signing your whole life away and fingerprinting and all of that. Now it seems like, well, you know what, you get a job, you get a job. Come on in. Everybody just come in, you know, and a lot of things is not being investigated. You know, if they had one little thing about you, you could not have the job. But a lot of the stuff is inside. Y'all know my thing. Always somebody on the inside. That you know yeah. somebody. Somebody's cousin that's getting a yeah. cut just as well. So. Yeah. Woo-wee. I got one question, Shanti, that Vivian asked that I was wondering. How much money do the, are they making off these scams and schemes that they can pay these kind of fines and fees and they are still existing. Talk about some deep pockets. Yo, this is crazy. They're making a whole lot of money off of people and especially the people who are not attentive to their account. You know, what's going on? If there's 15 cents missing, you know, if they're supposed to be getting interest, you know, added to their account, but they're not. Like, even those little things. 
you know, and I don't, it's just like everyone is just ripping you off as if you don't have options. Like, I can't take my money out of here and go bank somewhere else. And now that's possibly five less people because I'm not taking my money out and banking somewhere else silently. I'm letting other people know that this is why I don't mess with this bank anymore. So now I go over here. And again, like I said a few weeks ago, now that credit unions have just opened themselves up to everyone, you know, these commercial banks are definitely, you know, being looked at a certain way now because all of the fees that are charged and if you don't get that like, deposit, then you get this minimum balance check now, all that. Credit unions don't have those fees. You know, you you're you have a better chance of getting a loan from a credit union bank than from a commercial bank. So it's like the arrogance that these banks have, let alone you now stealing my money, and you figure, okay, well, what's $100 million or whatever the amount that Vivian said? Okay, we'll just pay that, and yet there's still people who are banking with us. So we're not really missing out on anything. Like, yeah, uh, we don't want to have to go through this. We don't want to have to send a vet to court. We don't want to have to pay anything, but... We have to, and I'm pretty sure the scams are not going to stop. You know, it may get quiet for a little bit, but it'll start back up again because people are still banking with them. Mm, mm. Elder Natisha, I got another question. How come they're still open? Why haven't the Fed shut them down? You're able. You know, Pastor Charlene said that, you know, you rob with your eyes wide open. Dante said what she said, but I say, the feds have said, have at them. Let the people be victims. It don't matter. What say you? I think that this is impacting the community that often gets neglected, The, 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 the working class people, I'm sure, is who this money is being taken from. Because if this if this money was being taken from rich people, the outcry okay. and the shutdown would have been happening. Absolutely. Would have been happening. So this has to be happening to middle class people, the working class people, who actually need their money. And I think that's the sad part about it. Because unless you are a person of means and wealth, right, then that's the only time that people start moving and things start happening. You know, let let about 20 wealthy people had come forth saying, wait a minute, there's money missing missing from my account. Bank of America would have been shut down years ago, just as quick as Wakovia got shut down. Wachovia was here one day and gone the next. We were like, what happened to Wachovia? Yeah. It's, it's because this this money is being taken from people who nobody care about. And that, again, shows yeah. the injustice of this country that we live in. And it really, really is sad. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. I agree that, because let me tell you something about people with money, especially on the other side of the fence. They make noise and they get changed. Yes. Mm-hmm. They make noise and they get changed. And they don't stop mm-hmm. until the change takes place. 
throw a dollar around it and say, you know what? I don't like that bodega. I want it shut down. Guess what happens? It gets shut down. They don't stop until change takes place. And I agree 100%. It's because it's our little pittance that they're taking. They don't care nothing about us. And that's why Bank of America is still sitting on the corner of Jamaica Avenue and Sutton Boulevard. That's exactly why they're still sitting on the corner of Fordham and Jerome. That's exactly why they're still sit, uh, sitting on Lennox on 116th Street. Because it's us. I agree 100% with, percent with all of that you said. If it was sitting in the middle of Wall Street, no, no, and then no. So, you know what? This is, again, like you said, Elder, I said, this is just indicative of what they care, how much they care about us. And I think it was Pastor Charlotte that said, it's just like with Rikers Island. If this were where the wealthy were staying, they would would shut down that facility. You know, so uh-huh. we're just, we're just, our, our lives are being stolen from us. And, you know, it's one day, it's our, our right pinky. The next day, it's, you know, it's our, our, our eyebrows. The next day, it's our earlobes. They are picking at us until you look and there will be, there's nothing to us. They, mm-hmm. They're going to continue to pick and pick and pick and pick. Until there's nothing, nothing, nothing. It's the same way when when the um when they try to put the migrants in parts of Rockland, and they dumb people who have money. They said, oh, "Excuse us, not where we live." And guess what uh-huh. happened? It wasn't where they live. So you know, unless uh-huh. we begin, you know, to because see, our thing is not going to be. An individual, it's going to have to be numbers. It's going to have to be the same millions that they're paying out are the same millions it's going to be of us that are going to have to now stand and make the change. And, you know, it, it, unfortunately, they, they this, this is horrific um, to even think about, um, you know, that this is what we go through. And, and this is reality. This is so real that it's scary, very scary. Um, free meals, you know, thank God for our free meals. You know, they, they're opening up, you know, even more availability of our free meals for our students and our children. To be said, anyone 18 years and under, um, I guess now that uh, that everybody can get an Obama phone, you can text. <laughs> you got worry about not having no phone. You can text. Um, but what does that say for the homeless? You've got this huge homeless thing, you know, and uh, this is uh, something that they're going to have to uh, deal with also. You know, how many people over the age of 18 don't have um, food to eat? So I'm not saying don't feed your children. I'm, I'm very happy that they've extended, you know, the ability for children to get access to the location. Um, but what what says for the older people? What do you think would be good? So let's put that question out there. How do you think they serve it? They're serving the younger ch- people, the children, 
How do you think they can service the older people who may not have anything to eat? What would you say, Shanti? Oh, my goodness. Um, it immediately took me back to how we were talking about all the food that these restaurants throw out. I know we're talking about the, the school, um, which is always great, you know, for as long as I can remember. You know, I remember um, a little after we moved to Queens and my grandmother would take us every day up to the school up the block, you know, and we would go up there for lunch. And, you know, it was a great way for us to also, um, that particular summer we were in camp like we normally were, there was also a good way for us to be around other children throughout the summer as well. But when you now talk about the older people, I know some some schools, one year I heard, like, the, the funds were really low. So, like, they, something like they had enough food, just enough food to feed the kids throughout the, the summer. But I'm sure there are other schools that have food left over, then a lot of times it goes in the garbage, like it's nothing, as if it was the food that the kids just didn't finish. So I think what they can do is whatever food has not been given out to kids and is left over for the day, now there should be someone in charge of either going out on foot and giving it out, or if you said, okay, kids come for summer lunch, 12 to 1.30, and adults come to the school two to, between 2 and 2.45 or 2 to 3 p.m. That way you don't have a mixture of adults sitting in there with, you know, with children to give the, the parents a peace of mind. You know, but I can really see that being done. But, again, for some reason, it's just like we love to throw out food. Like, that's our goal. Let's see how many burgers we can throw out. You know, I think if they were to try to do something like that, it would also solve the problem of adults who actually need to eat but can't afford to eat or they really don't have the resources to get food. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. That is a way that they can, you know, accommodate older people who don't eat. Um, Elder's a good idea. Elder and I teach, I remember my mother used to work, um, and she used to go into the school every day. And she said, Stephanie, she said the amount of food that they throw out, because like Shantice was saying about the restaurants, they weren't allowed, um, the, the staff was not allowed to take the food home. If the children didn't eat it, they had to throw it out. And the... I, I don't know where the rule came from. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they didn't want the staff, you know, holding it from the children and taking it home. And, you know, so if you got to throw it all out, then nobody takes anything home. But she used to tell me how all that food used to have to go out. And, you know, when I think about the fact that the children don't, she used to always talk about the children who wasted the food as well. So now you have a, an abundance of adults who can't eat what would you say would be a good idea as to how to combat, you know, the, the hunger issue um, for the adults? I, I just think that 
I mean, according to OSHA, there's a proper way to be able to handle and and, and facilitate food. And I think, you know, if if we actually utilize data to help us, and I know, and bear with me because when I talk about data, I'm saying being able to watch the trends and patterns of, like, how many people are showing up, how many people that we're seeking to feed, and literally allot the appropriate amount of food in order to reduce waste so that right. then we are able to take the excess and we're able to, to kind of put it toward those who need it as well. So I think that there is a way that we can operate by literally watching trends and patterns, looking at the numbers to then figure out, okay, instead of putting out a 100 um, you know, open platters because we know that once we open right. this, then we we can't right. reuse it. So instead of opening up the hundred, so that we you know, so that we can be make it convenient and it can go quick. Because I, I understand efficiency and all of that is what they're trying to accomplish, but it comes at the cost of waste. So it may be right. that you have to, you have to open up the fifty bags, and yes, it may cause a slight inconvenience if you run out and a person may have to wait an additional five, ten minutes or something like that in order for you to replenish. But I think it's worth it in order to reduce waste, so that you're then able to to give the access to those who also are in need. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Pastor Charlene, good idea, Pastor uh, Elder Nitisha. Pastor Charlene, what would you say would be a good way to help feed the adults now that they have, quote-unquote, kind of taken care of the, the, the young people? Well, I've always said that, you know, they needed to find a spot, and we were talking about it before. The same way that we can find unhousing, for the migrants that come over, that we can find a building where that would be like a drop-off um, and where that they can have people, not only just restaurants and school, but I thought about what about these bank halls when they have these parties? What about the food right. when we decide that we don't want any more of it? What about the when, when the churches are having food and, you know, and the stuff is just going in the garbage? I think about how much food has been in the garbage where that they can have someone just drive around, you know, or are able to deliver because everybody doesn't have, you know, that kind of a vehicle um, or, you know, and just make it where the same way that they have like these refrigerators, right? We have donated food into these refrigerators where that the people just go open the refrigerator and take. You know, I know some ministries that does that. And um, and even that being part of, of having certain times that, you know, you can set up tables, you know, but if you have one main spot and then the people can go there. I know in the senior citizen, um, when my mom was here, that I used to go with her and, you know, and they paid like a dollar something for lunch. But everybody can't right, that, right, right? So... Even in that being said, and then even like you brought into the homeless, you see where they are, just drop plates off, you know, and and giving them something instead of throwing the food away. Who came up with if the people don't eat no more and the restaurant closed, 
throw the food away. The food is still good. You've already cooked it, so why not just go and have, you know, make a team, you know, and with it they go out, and this is what they do. They pick up the food, and you have a spot to go to. Because, mm-hmm. like, even in COVID, with, um, where I live at, people were taking the food and taking it um, where the mailbox is because everybody couldn't afford, right? So whatever you bought, a, either a couple of cans or something that you had that you didn't want anymore, and they had a ledge. And you put it on the ledge, and people were able to come and take. But the same way that they right. take, people was giving. So that's the same right. thing, you know, in your neighborhood, you know, just come up with a team of how, you know, and like, you know, of it being closed, it, you know, like canned goods or, you know, or even, like I said, the food. Just have somebody that's a 24-hour place. We have 24 hours right. everything else, so why not have a 24-hour feeding? And it takes so many people off the street as well as being able to be fed as well. Because we don't know when our hard time is going to come, right? You never know when, when, when right. something in your life is going to happen. And it could be us. God forbid right now we thank the Lord. It's not us right now. But it can be. So I think of that, especially the seniors. They treat them so mean. You know? mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 It's a good, good idea. You know, I remember there's a restaurant over here, um, and when I tell you the line is out the door, don't go over there on no Sunday. You can forget it. You don't go there when they first open up, you can forget it. And they would have excess food at the end of the night. And I, I, I don't know how I ended up speaking to one of the ladies who was actually serving um, at the counter. You know, they have the steam tables, and you kind of walk around and you choose what you want. And she said what they would do was at the end of the night, they had made an agreement with, because they said they were supposed to throw the food out too, and they were like, they weren't throwing out that food. And they would take the food to a local place, and they would make sure that people were, they had tables and everything set up there, and all they would do is deliver the food. So it kind of goes with what you were saying, Pastor Charlene, um, you know, and therefore they were feeding so many people with the food that they were supposed to be throwing in the garbage to the point where they were making extra food. When they saw how many people they were able to feed with the leftovers, they were able to add to that and they would feed the people. And I asked them, I said, they, they closed for about two weeks every year. And I said, well, what happens when you all close for the two weeks? Because they want to give their people a chance to, you know, have off and things like that. And they said that they they would donate money. They would not, because they, if they try to give the people off, they would give the people off. It's not like, okay, now you cook for somebody else, so you don't have the time off really at the end of the day. They would donate the money. And then those people who were hosting, let's say, the table set up and things like that, they would cook. So there, there are ways, there are so many ways to actually serve God's people, you know, without, you know, because I'm sure, again, I always say that, you know, working from a place of where there were no rules and now building and having to build rules and over the 
you know, decade and a half that I was there, ended up with a whole book now of rules. I'm sure somewhere it came, there was a reason, whether we agree, understand, or whatever. There's some crazy reason why, at the end of the day, the schools cannot give away the food. They have to throw it out, as well as the restaurants. But here was a creative way of making sure we ain't wasting this money, as well as why waste the money, and there were people who need to eat. So, you know, we just, again, you know, as, as, uh, as Ben said, we have to become creative in, in how we help. You know, the powers that be, they have their reasons. But, you know, what? on a lower level, God gives us all the ingenuity we need for his people. And we just got to work together and, and see to it that we make it happen. All right, ladies. Um, this Biden administration with this unaffordable child care, you know, they're kind of hitting it from both ends. They're hitting it from the assistance to the workers who, you know, have who they say have left the industry because the money was not there. And they're talking about the parents, excuse me, who have had to stop the child care and stay home because they couldn't afford it, so forth and so on. You know, what what you know, is this is this their way of helping? Vivian says, Hey, you know, it's it's time to uh to think about reelection. So, yeah, they jump in and doing a whole lot of things. You know, um, is this a way that they can help? And are they ultimately helping uh, Elder Natisha? <sighs> Boy, that was a hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, okay. Give me clarity again. What what is it? What is it? What are they trying to accomplish? So that I can make sure I understand what they're trying to do. All right. You know what? Let's Vivian's still here. I still have her on. So we'll give Vivian an opportunity to break this down to us one more time. All right, Viv. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, break that down for us because I don't want to, to do a recap again. I got it all twisted. Please help us understand what the goal is for this Affordable um, Child Care Act. So they're decreasing co-payments for eligible families. I'm not sure where it is now, but they're decreasing it to 7% of their income. That's one of the changes they want to make. They're uh, working on websites that eligible families can go to to get money for child care, to get grants for, the, for child care. They're working on those websites to make it easier for them to use them so that the money can get to them sooner. They're also um, pushing the state to pay the businesses at the beginning of the month rather than in the middle of the month when they um, take in children of families who are eligible for, you know, for help from the government. So now they're getting paid in the middle of the month, and it's a lot harder for them to get their money. And now they're pushing the state to pay these businesses a lot earlier. Uh, what else did they say? They were working on um, getting money to the businesses in other ways as well because um, the, the the businesses are having a hard time receiving funds from the from the government as well. So they're working on the sites for them as well so that they can receive money a lot easier and just make it. And they're also trying to um, eliminate co-payments altogether for families who are really, really uh 
Okay, okay. All right, so I did have my notes correct because I'm reading as you're right, as you're, I'm reading what I have with you, right? So I did get um, an understanding um, correctly. Thank you so much, Vivian. Thank you. One of the things that I did understand, um, and it was, and I want to give two examples before you start, Elder Night Teacher, for the sake of understanding um, for even our listeners. So years ago, they used to call it ACD, Agency of Child Development. I don't know if you're familiar with that um, or Pastor Charlotte, but what would happen is you would go and apply for supplemental assistance for child care, and it was a certain percentage of your salary. And for those of us um, who – and what they would do is one of the few agencies where they would kind of look at your expenses, not a deep look like some other benefits, but there was just a general look at your expenses and your family composition, and you would pay – a portion of your salary. Well, one of the things, that's where they're coming down. They're saying, okay, so if, at one point it's 10%, they're going to come down to 7% of your salary. That that kind of helps one of the, uh, explain as an example, one of the areas Vivian just listed. Another area, and that's for the families. Another area for the employees, someone that I know very recently, um, they work for a daycare center. And they were complaining that this was like this off and on type of ability, at least the agency, the, 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 the daycare center, was complaining about the consistency of being able to pay their workers because the, the government was not consistent in how they gave the money to the agency. So if the if the daycare center was eligible for assistance from the government, they would give sometimes on the on on the fifteenth. Sometimes they give on the thirtieth. And oh, at least this is the way the daycare explained it. Well, it gave a little more understanding when Vivian just read it um, uh, uh, in the beginning. And now that she said it again, that's why I said, I, okay, I definitely got the clarification correct. So what happened was there was a time when they could not make their bills. The employees, because the, the daycare centers were not paying them correctly um, on a regular basis because they claimed they weren't getting it from the government properly. So now you, you think about the little supplemental side of the parents. So one parent is paying $30, and then what would happen is if you have multiple children, it would come down. So you would pay $30 for your first child. $20 for the next child. So they're saying, well, if we're only getting supplemental payments from the parents and the government is not giving us our aid, we can't pay you. So, therefore, the, that's one of the reasons why the, 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 the staff was quitting because it's like, listen, I can't stay here where I don't know when my check is coming in. So what they're, what they're saying is, Okay, we're going to pay them on a consistent basis now. We're going to pay them in the beginning of the month. This way, they can take care of their expenses as a daycare, including having their payroll cycle in some form of consistency. So those are examples for the listeners, for the three of you, to kind of get a, a, a good example as to what they're trying to um, make better for this whole child care area. 
Understood. Yeah. Thank you for the clarity and thank you, Vivian. Yeah, I think that this is a, a, a great idea for those who, you know, who are in need of it. Child care is very expensive. It is very, very, very expensive. And, you know, I, I know that I when I when I was talking my daughter through, you know, her preparing to go back to work and needing some place for my grandson and I was quoting prices from back when, when I was dropping her off. So I was like, Oh yeah. I was right. like, you know, you pay the one seventy five you know, pay the one seventy five a week and so when she got out there she was like, Mom, there is nothing out here for no one seventy five a week. Yeah. She said, Mom, yeah. it is two fifty Two fifty for yep. an in or two seventy five a week mm-hmm. for an infant, and about two hundred dollars a week yep. for, for a um, for a toddler. Yep. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it is yep. very very expensive, and when you're thinking about, you know, that's just that's just for your child to be taken care of while you go to try to make a living to take care of that child and pay your bills right. and, and everything else. So I do think that this is a great idea. I do think that there needs to be a um, some regulations in place for how these organizations, they call, they say that they're helping, but you're not helping if you do not cut mm-hmm. the checks in an appropriate right. time. Right. Like you're not, you're not helping. You're not helping. You are making situations. You're putting people in real stressful situations when they go to drop their child off, and the child care worker says, "I'm not accepting your child until I get my check." I know that you are working with this agency. Mm-hmm. They have not cut a check yet, and so now I'm not keeping your child. So now this person has the ability to lose days of work. They have no care for their child, all because y'all are laxy-daisy with when you're cutting the check. That's, that's like, mm-hmm. how are you helping? You are an organization right. designed to help. How does that help? So I do think that that is a great, great, great thing for them to put in place that the checks need to be sent out um, the first of the month. Like everybody else, everybody wants their money the first of the month or the first of the week. Don't nobody want to wait to the middle and end of the, like <laughs> for pay cycles. I just, it's you know, it's yeah. So it's it's ridiculous, and I'm glad that they are doing something about it. Okay, all right. Whew. I tell you, when you think about this stuff, it just makes your head spin. Pastor Charlotte. Yes. It it is a great idea um, for them to do and to be consistent. See, because a lot of times, right, you start things and not consistent. So, and just like um, Elder Natisha said, you know, it's it's the bills is high now. Two fifty is cheap. I've heard with my grandbabies, it is three fifty. And sometimes four oh. a week, and I'm like, it's not even oh. worth going to work oh. because remember, when you have it, depending on your job, right? How much your your money is coming in. So, with that being said, not only that, you have to make sure that they have every the baby needs everything as well, right? You got to make sure you bring mm-hmm. their food, and this is infant <laughs> to the little one. 
my because I remember uh, one day you say, if you don't bring their food, what is your child going to eat? So you mean to tell me you can't do like back in the day, take a potato and match it up? Because sometimes you're running <laughs> Oh, my God. And you can't feed my baby a hot dog? Oh, yeah. We went through some people. And my thing was, how do how a person gets to go to work to at least have a dollar by the time they pay you? Mm-hmm. So it is a good thing for those that can, you know, and where that the people, you know, I, and I understand it's a business, right? It ain't going to be personal. It's a business. You got to pay your people as well, you know. And like you said, their bills are still coming. Bills still want the the first, the fifteenth, whatever, whatever day your bill fifth, whatever your days are, right? So the people who are working for you, you know, now it'll put a strain on them because now, like you say, either I'm gonna quit or either I can't pay you. So now instead of you coming five days, you only can come two days. Now, what I'm going to do with all these kids by myself, you know, so it is a great thing. And also, too, I was thinking, I've always said that, like, there's so many jobs, you know, within this that where that is so, uh, even that is overcrowded. The daycare, right, is overcrowded in some places because they're trying to help so much. But where's the job that can even have these um, services through your job where that it can be even cheaper. You know, and where that people who have retired, because you got so many people who retired that can handle children. You know, and where that they're looking for something to do. So it's always something else that we can do. But then when you think about you know, how people are doing these babies. You know, it's scary to go out there and then, you know, you got to pick that person, right? I got to lead you to that person because everybody right. who looks good on the outside and they house might right, okay, right. but what are you doing when I'm not there? Right, right, you right. Know? Very much so. So you got to, you know, it's so much to deal with when you come to these babies that Especially that can't talk. Right, 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 right. Woo. Oh, my goodness. Shati. Hmm. Okay. Will you? I think it is ridiculous. I just had a parent say to me the other day that they had to send the other parent $3,000 for camp for one child. And that's not even mm. for the entire summer. That's not even for mm. the entire summer. Normally, camp summer schools and camps will start like right after the fourth of July, and they don't last up until the first day of school. So sometimes you have at least two, maybe three weeks of a gap between camp and the first day of school. So not only am I paying all this money, as if I don't have to prep my child for the school year that's coming up but what am I going to do with my child so I have to either take off you expect me to take off work for two weeks or who am I supposed to pay to watch my child in the during the gap of camp and school and I was like you know why they charge all this because they can't 
And the parent was like, right, because they know that people have to work. Not everyone has a mother or a sister or brother, whomever, who will say, I'll come sit with your child or you can bring your child to me while you go to work. So they figure, well, you need someone to watch your kids. So bring, and I'm like, camp is not even what it used to be. I remember when we were in camp all the time, we did stuff all the time. Like all the time. There were trips almost every day. A lot of these camps don't do that. So what is this money going for? And here, y'all throwing out school lunch when y'all could be given <laughs> that food that y'all throwing out to these private camps or, you know, these camps that are still like maybe big corporations or whatever, but they're just not being held in the school. Why not give that food to them? Because like Pastor Sheldon said, you expect me to pay you all this money, but yet I still have to send my child with food. So what am I paying you for? Mm. What a you for? I still have food is a luxury nowadays. Like that doesn't even go on the side of the bills of necessities. So what? How am I? You expect me to pay all this money for daycare or camp or after school or whatever, and yet I still have to find food or snacks or something to send. It's just disgusting. And they do this not because they need the money, but because they know they can. Mm. Wow. You know, I'm 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 with uh Elder Naitisha who, you know, when 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 Shonice was looking for Mariah for I was like, Listen, it's only this much <laughs> and she was I was like, Well, why don't you apply for A C D? She was like, Ma, that doesn't exist anymore and you know, she makes a decent salary so she wasn't even eligible for other programs such as the one, you know, I was talking about or the one Vivian was talking about. And I remember years ago when I was a part of that program, you still were maxed out if you made a certain amount of money. So, you know, it, it's this this here, this is one, again, a nasty cycle that we are experiencing. And, again, like Pastor Charlotte said, you're playing Russian roulette because whether you put them in a private home or whether you put them in a daycare center or a nursery school, you hear the harvest stories on either side. So, boy, when I tell you, you just got to stay prayed up. You just got to stay prayed up. This is just, uh, just too much. We got two stories here that are, like, mind-blowing. Um, you've got the 8-year-old who made their officers on a car chase <laughs> and found a weapon in the car. Now, we don't know if he was wielding the weapon or whatever. He just happened to be in the car, um, or he knew the weapon was in the car. But yet again, you know, what – I know when you laid down and went to bed, you didn't think your 8-year-old was going to be breaking in and driving your car. But they, uh, you know, Vivian said the child was arrested, and that's when the weapon was re- recovered. What do you do with an 8-year-old who steals your car, Pastor Charlotte? <laughs>
would you think? I would think it was the eight year old. Now I get there and I find out that an eight year old, where's your parents? And who taught you mm-hmm. how to drive? Mm-hmm. And then I can think of what kind of parents you have with a gun inside. Mm-hmm. There was a, a young man over here where I live at. This is a lot of years. I, all our kids is all the same age. So our children was little. He was about, I, I don't even think he was eight. And his mother went into the store. And she left the car on park, evidently. He jumps over the seat and takes the car, pulls it, and drives into the store. Oh. He had to be about six or seven. He had to be around that age. So we was like, how did he do this? And his mother, I don't know. It was, Can you imagine just being in the store and your son drives this car into where you at? Because he's looking for his mother. That's what he thinks. Wow. <laughs> right. But wow. at six years old, you know better. You know better. Mm. And um, it it's so crazy that it happened, but he grew up to be a criminal. That's what he was. He's not no more, thank God. You know, he gave his life over, finally. And um, so when it happened, all of us, you know, ran outside. And we was like, how did you even see the store? You know, and they took him. I don't, at that time, they didn't take them to jail like they would, would now, you know, per se. But they took him to the, the precinct and whatever she had to explain, whatever. But my thing was, even in that being said of where do we go from here? And how did you learn to do that? What was, uh, What is your surroundings that you are hearing? And it always plays back to your house. Everything is going to go back into your parents, right? Because whom are you around? And what are you watching? Right. You know, and nowadays these kids are watching all, everything on TV, right? They make up their right. own mind because you can't put your hand on me, which not over here, though. But, you, you know, you can't discipline your kids. And this is what we are creating, little monsters. Mm. So my thing was, and wow. the question that you asked me, wonder if it was my car, can I see him for just five minutes? Five minutes, <laughs> that's all I want. Five minutes and let us have a conversation. Because you took my car. You took my car. And now where we go from here? Yeah, so that was just my own opinion. Wow. Wow. Oh, Kathy, what do you do with the eight-year-old who steals your car? I was just envisioning Mariah driving down English Street in a car, talking about, <laughs> I'm on a high street. I'm on a high street street. Like, these kids, they just, they're, they're different. They're new. They just come up with and like Pastor Sean said, a lot of even their thoughts. Me even talking about the kids who actually carry some of these things out. But even their thoughts and their their vocabulary, it, a lot of it has everything to do with how they play on their parents, you know, or their guardians, whoever is, you know, governing them. And 
because you are told you can't do something. So now you have an eight-year-old criminal that you, Mr. Police Officer, has to go and deal with because y'all don't want the parents to have to deal with anything because I want to know what kind of household you live in where this is even a consideration for you to do at eight years old, whether you stole someone in your house car or I can't even imagine you picking a lock of another car, somebody else's car, a stranger's car. Like, what time of like what time of the day was it? Like, was this during like this sounds like a scene from from Don't Be a Menace to Self Sanctuary while drinking your juice in the hood. Like, this is like the scene where the guy stole the lady's walker and ran off using the walker in front of her. Like, what? Uh, wait, what was the scenario? Like, how does this happen? What do you use? Do you use a, a jack? Like, how do you end up still in this car? Get the, the, the car. So you have to have, have a, had the key because I refuse to believe you knew how to take the panel off underneath the steering wheel, put the wires together to turn the engine on. And like Pastor Charlotte said, now you're able to use your foot to press the gas plus look over the steering wheel at the same time. So you must have had an accomplice. I don't, I don't understand how this works, but <laughs> how I think oh. here's what I think happened. I think an adult stole that car and they knew they were about to get caught and they pulled some kid in and put that kid in the car and just said drive. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of so many different scenarios as to like I'm eight years old and I'm stealing not money out the drawer, not money out my mother's pocketbook, not. I'm still in a car, and now people are chasing me as if I'm at Dave and Buster's playing a race, a racing game. I, like, wow. I would love to hear the, the intricate details to this. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Elder Natisha, you get a phone call, Mom, Mom, they've got my body. He was on a hot seat. Not a little Matthias. Oh, my goodness gracious. While he was playing Kurt yeah, Franklin. The, Kurt Franklin yeah, the, blood, the, the blood of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the blood of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> a little Matthias better have his little behind someplace being being a math genius. He better be somewhere being a math genius and not out here okay. utilizing his skill set <laughs> to to steal cars. Right. Um right. I, you know right. I, I think this this sounds this sounds like this baby is a product of his environment. You know, I am right. um you know, currently out here at at a campground and and, and you know, and Greg is ministering to all of these kids and stuff like that. And the stories that you hear are unbelievable when they're sharing what they're going through in some of these communities where gang violence is huge. They actually recruit at the elementary schools. Yeah. The gang yeah. recruit yeah. at the yeah. elementary schools. So when you know, you're trying to figure out how does an eight-year-old know how to jimmy a lock to a car, get in it, mm. and then know how to use a screwdriver mm. to put it into the ignition mm. in order to get the car to start 
They were taught. This is not something that an eight-year-old just knows how to do. This was taught to oh. that eight-year-old. Why, why does that eight-year-old know how to drive? Because he was taught how, mm-hmm. how to do so. And so he, this, this baby is absolutely a product of his environment. And to, I think, the point that, you know, I think you made, Pastor Steph, in regards to the fact that there was a gun, I, I think it was Pastor Sean, the fact that the gun was in the car, like already suggests that, again, he belonged perhaps to a family that this was their lifestyle. Yep, yep. That this was their lifestyle. The fact, that the, the fact that the gun was even found in the car is an indication of what this little boy was being brought up in. It's sad. Absolutely. And my sentiments exactly, you don't just pick this up. Um, from anywhere. There's a lot to stealing a car. There's a lot to driving. They said he was on, there was a uh, chase, which means you didn't make it from one corner to the next. They don't chase you like that. Um, this this was a minute of, of some driving. So, yes, this was something that, you know, somebody, you saw somebody doing because this was deliberate. And it wasn't no one time. I'm sorry, we are not just that kind of master here. That we're gonna see some one time and we're gonna learn it because we just saw it. And and that you know that that's the sad part about it because you know they don't even stand a chance when when they're at this age. Um, and you know what I mean when I say they don't even stand a chance. You know, Pastor Charlene did attest to someone who, you know, later on gave his life to God. But look at what she said. She said he was a criminal for a while. So, you know, when you start this off, um, you know, in their early life, then what's going to be the pattern, you know, going to be what they've taught, what they've been taught? Oh, boy. So you have the 11-year-old who is now charged with, um, you know, sexually assaulting the 6-year-old. And mom says, I need the bus driver arrested. Does the bus driver get arrested, um, Shanti? How how is it that someone is is being sexually assaulted by anybody on this bus, and you don't know? I, I remember us speaking on this before, and they were like. They don't really have the aid. What's the extra person called who would be on the bus with the bus job yes. and they would help? But the bus monitor. I'm sorry. Yeah, the bus monitor. Like they don't have. Yeah, like they don't have the bus monitors like they used to anymore. So you got kids on the bus being bullied and fighting, and these drivers know what's going on. But their thing is, listen, I just want to get these kids to either this drop off point after school or to the school and whatever happens, you know, like, I just want to do what I got to do. Um, really, you so much this boy was raped on the bus and you knew nothing about it. It's really hard for me to get mad at a parent for wanting to have the bus driver penalized because if I'm driving a bus, you're not talking about the regular city buses because now they just don't care what happens, and you see why. They're dealing with a bunch of challenged adults for the most part. When you're talking about these school buses 
especially because there are no more monitors, bus monitors. You now have double responsibility. And we've been hearing way too many stories about how so much has been going on on these school buses because the bus drivers just don't care. Like, they don't care. So I, I would say yes. I would say yes. It, it's really hard for me to say that that mother's crazy. Why would she want to hold the bus driver accountable? I'm trying to figure out how you're talking about not someone is, is verbally saying something that's making my child upset. This boy got raped on the bus and you knew nothing, you did nothing, you didn't even know who else, so no other kids was on this bus, he was gagged and taped and held, like, I, again, I'm trying to play some memory on my head, I, yeah, no, I, I agree. All righty, all righty, Pat, uh, should bus driver be arrested? The bus driver, you know, uh, unfortunately has a dual role because when I first heard the story, the first thing that came to my mind is how is the bus driver going to uh, keep focus on the road to make sure that he's actually transporting these kids safely and also watch all of the activities that's going on on the bus. I don't think it's possible. If we say that it is unsafe to text and drive, then how can a mm. bus driver operate a large vehicle as such and also monitor all of the activities of the bus, especially all the way in the back of the bus? I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. But the bus driver, if the bus driver is the sole um, responsible person for the safety of these kids, I think that we have to. That's when we go back to his job description. What is the job description of the bus driver? Is the bus driver's sole responsibility to safely transport kids to and from school? Then the bus driver fulfilled his obligation in doing so. I don't know if we can say that the bus driver was negligent or that the bus driver did not care, because how is a bus driver supposed to watch the road and watch kids at the same time? I think who should be held responsible is the school that allowed the operating of a bus without an additional adult on the bus. And if that if there was a bus monitor on the bus, that is who should be held responsible, the bus monitor, because he is supposed to operate the vehicle and obey the, the driving rules of the land, and the bus monitor is supposed to be watching the children on the bus. So now it's either the bus monitor or it is the system, the school system that felt like due to budget cuts or they couldn't afford a, a monitor, that they were going to allow that bus to operate for months without an additional adult on the bus. I think, unfortunately, when you are a parent put in that situation, you have to, somebody got to be held responsible. And you, Mr. Bus Driver, you become the one. When the truth is, I don't know. And, and that's why, for me, it's a catch-22 because as a parent, heads have got to fly, heads have got to fly. 
But can it be the bus driver's head that flies is the question. I think it's systemic. I don't know if it's just the bus driver. I think the school is supposed to be held responsible due to the fact that there was not an additional adult on the bus. Or if there was an additional adult on the bus, that is the person that is supposed to be held responsible. I don't know how he can be tasked to drive and watch kids. All righty, all righty. Pastor Charlotte, what you got? Hold bus driver accountable? Um, I was like uh, Elder Natisha, like wavering, but in the as the mother, everybody, everybody. Um, I, my thought was, where are the uh, first of all? Why the six year olds? I always thought that the little people sat in the front. That's what I always thought. I don't know what they do now, but that's what I always thought. Second, um, are there other kids on this bus? Somebody went home and told us. And because I'm looking at three months. Am I correct? Three months has been going on? Three months. Okay. So in this three months, we we haven't seen anything, driver and all, because you still, even if I'm driving, um, don't we look in the rear view of when we stop at the mm-hmm. red light to see what's going on, right? Because the, the, that, the mirror, um, also as I'm dropping off others, you don't hear nothing. You don't, you know, you're not noticing where the little people are that so I waver, but as a mother, um, of seeing, of hearing this and then, you didn't notice when the child got off. You might have got one, but for three months, that's where my problem comes in, the three months that just been happening. And then nobody's saying anything. And I, right, it should, should always be someone else that's on the bus, especially with these wild children. Somebody needs to be on the bus to control these kids. It will have to be a lot of people answering to me of what is going on. Because I remember when my daughter was missing and they tried to tell me about this bus driver picked her up and dropped her somewhere else. And it was just them riding around. Oh, everybody, everybody was going down. The school, the driver, everybody. So being in that, having that feeling, because this kind of kicked it up, I thank the Lord. She was not raped. She was in touch because, you know, they make you go to the hospital. They took me to the hospital, the whole thing with her. But for three months, that's where I'm stuck at. I'm stuck at three months. This been going on. The driver knew. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody goes down. Everybody. All right, Vivian has something that she wants to say. I got a resounding question in my head, um, and, and you ladies haven't brought it up yet, and I'm a little surprised. Uh, Vivian, real quick, what you got, girl? Pastor Stalin said exactly what I was going to say. The three months part is the part that get, gets me. If the little boy is six years old and he's on the bus with older kids, he should be sitting in the front. And they specifically said that the 11-year-old lured him to the back to do what he did. 
So you didn't notice that this 11-year-old kept coming to get this little six, six-year-old boy and, and whatever he was doing to him in the back of the bus for three months? That's neglect. You weren't paying enough attention. Even if you're driving a bus, you have to have noticed that this boy, this 11-year-old boy, was giving too much attention to this six-year-old boy and was luring him to the back. He didn't come in the front with him and talk to him. He kept taking him to the back of the bus. You don't see that these kids are getting up out of their seat and moving around on the bus, that he was able to do this for so long? That's neglect. All righty. Alrighty, alrighty. They won't Thank move you, the city buses Vivian? if you got if you got standing behind the white line. <laughs> the city bus <laughs> will argue a, uh, an adult down, and the bus could be crowded to where the people are standing at the door, and they get behind the white line. Get behind this. If you don't drive this bus, Mister Sir, you get behind the white line. Get behind the white line. So they they see some type of activity that's going on at least in the front. One other thing I wanted to say as well, as the mother, you ain't noticed nothing about your kids? Okay. 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 Right? Because now I'm at the bus stop waiting for you. You ain't noticed that he crying? You ain't noticed he walking funny? You ain't noticed that he went in a shell? Because most people who get raped, right, they go into some kind of a shell. And then you're, he's six years old. No. You're watching his underwear. So, you know, okay, I just wanted to throw that out there, too. I was thinking about it, so I wanted to. Uh, so, so I can answer that question, actually, because, because the sexual abuse started with me when I was six. And so, no, you don't necessarily go into a shell. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. I have I, I have a few questions. I have a few questions. Um, one, I, I part of me says yes. If if I have a thirty five seater bus, if you will, um, and I'm driving this bus, my my concern cannot be um, both, regardless of what it ends up being. But I'm now taking on a job that you want me to watch the road, keep the kids safe, get them there to the destination safely, and watch what happens on the bus. So that, to me, makes the school liable, the system liable, because you're putting a whole lot on one individual. Because even if we do say you should have been able to monitor the activity of the students or the children that are on the bus, you still set me up for failure. You still did not mm-hmm. say, see, with me with a whole uh, 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 set of children, that you should have even armed me or helped me by making sure. Even if you had to rotate parents, I don't care what you got to do. As a school system, it is a disgusting situation that you would even put Absolutely. these drivers in this situation. Something needs mm-hmm. to, you know you need to facilitate these children getting back and forth to school, then you need to put in a better, able to mm-hmm. driver to do what she need or she needs to do 100%. You are expecting me to, I don't care what the activity is, whether they're jumping around in the chairs or whatever the situation is, getting up back and forth, talking to one another, cell phones, whatever it is, you are putting a whole lot of responsibility in my seat, in my lap. So to me, the system 
child has failed the parents, the driver, and everybody. So you are responsible. Mm-hmm. Number two, that was my question. My question, one of the questions that I had was, well, the ch- aren't the children supposed to be seatbelt in? And I would like mm-hmm. to believe that the baby are sitting in the front. So how in the world, not only an 11-year-old, but any other child would be able to get up, you unseatbelt yourself, and I'm going to see this go on for three months, and I never, not once, not one time in January, one time in February, one time in March, I never, I never pick up on anything because, yes, let me tell you something. When you drive a car, one of the things you do is keep your eye on that rearview mirror. I don't care if you're driving a two-seater car or you're driving a van or a bus. All, your eyes are always kind of diverted. It's just a habit of, way, of how you drive. So, so, so here's the thing. Let's say, for argument's sake, I put you on my bus at 8 o'clock and I don't get you to the school until 10. At no point or another, did you miss that kid sitting in the seat? At no point does that does that even happen where you don't miss the child or you don't see the child go in the back, and after a while, the child comes from the back. This went on. We don't know how many times. We don't know if it went on once or twice, three times, ten times, whatever. We know that over a period of three months. So now, you know, now you got to try to say, well, goodness gracious, did you ignore completely what happened because I'm going to tell you something. As much as we pay attention to the road, you do still have an, uh, an obligation to the children. So it is a catch-22 situation. But I have to ask the question myself. You never, if the babies are sitting in the front, you have got to put the older children in the back so because of the safety, because of that you can monitor in some shape, form, or fashion. How does that happen where all of this is going on for three months. They didn't say it happened one time, but for three whole months, and now you don't see any shifting at any. So that part comes to my mind as well. There's another question that I have. Well, wait a minute. What in the world do y'all have cameras for? You mean to tell me nobody watches footage? Y'all just have the camera there. What is the purpose of a camera? So when you have to go back, because you have this driver on the bus by him or herself, you have to rely on the camera footage. That's your, that's your second set of eyes. You did put a monitor on the bus. So now you must rely on the second set of eyes you got on that bus. And you failed the bus driver. You failed the children. You failed the parents. When you did not ever look at that footage, what is the purpose of the footage? That makes no sense to me. One of the things I believe is that you put the camera on the bus so that you could always rely on a second set of eyes. There wasn't the public to put it on there. If you did not rely on your second set of eyes, you failed everybody. You failed bus driver, children, and parents. You just threw a camera up in there. You threw the bus, the bus driver on the bus. You drove the, you drove the, you put the children on the bus and you walked off. So everybody, everybody needs to be held responsible. I also say. As you know, as a parent, no, I do agree. Every child does not react the same way. 
So, you know, yes, we would think that, you know, a child would act this way, that way, the second way, the third way. No, because everybody is different. That that was not a definite, you know, a sign that something could be going on. Elder Natisha uh, seconded that, no, hey, everybody don't go into the same kind of show. I would say the same thing for abuse victims. When when he was whipping my behind, I knew how to go home and pretend like nothing was going on. So that's why I say, you know, everybody doesn't kind of handle the same thing the same way. The reaction is not the same way. So the the onus on that is, again, it becomes at the lower end of the totem pole. And this is why we end up where we are, because there's so much neglect across the board. But I have to honestly say, if I had to put my finger on one area, it would be the system. Because you failed these yep. people twice. Me too. You failed them twice. You failed them twice. Mm-hmm. You failed him by not or her by not arming that bus with a second set of eyes physically. A person mm-hmm. who could be sitting there and monitor. Excuse me, aren't you supposed to be in the seat? Have a seat, sit down until we get to our destination. But when you put that mm-hmm. second set of eyes on that bus, you never went back. Well, you know what? Let's just check this footage every day. Let's check the footage every day. Good Lord, let's check the footage once a week, every Friday. You would have been able to catch at least twice or whatever happened. You may not have been able to prevent it, but God knows it wouldn't have gone on for three whole months. The system is who mom needs to be going after, and that's where she needs to bank every complaint she has because everything else, goes to the bottom of the totem pole. You ladies have done a ph- phenomenal job today. Thank you so much for your, uh, your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray that you have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you as well. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's get this benediction before we close. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion, excuse me, forever and ever. Amen. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. That's why I knew we weren't going to be able to get a topic today. As Vivian went on and on, I could see that that was not going to happen. Make sure we do what God has called us to do. Make sure that if we feel handicapped in any placement of our life, that we ring that bell. We sound that along. We raise that flag so someone cannot hold us accountable for something that we may not be responsible for. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time for always coming through big times. Through big time, through <laughs> always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us and helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity for you know just strengthening your relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to us. 
Until tomorrow, God's bears. We're in Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you. Mm-hmm.